in, everybody. Another edition, College Football Betting. I am your host, Aaron Torres. Hope everybody's doing well. Hope everybody is ready for what should be a fun week 11 edition of College Football Betting. It's not quite the slate that we've had the last few weeks. There is no Tennessee-Georgia on the schedule this week. It's worth noting, by the way, next week, we get Utah-USC. We get Oregon-Utah, which is shaping up to be two really good games. The week after, we get Michigan-Ohio State on and on. Little bit of a quieter week, but still a fun week. Ohio, or excuse me, Ole Miss, Alabama. We have TCU, Texas. We, of course, have Georgia, Mississippi State, Oregon, Washington, on and on and on. So we'll hit on the big games. We'll be a little bit quicker on some of the smaller ones. As I always tell you, this time of year, it's a little bit tougher to gauge who's invested, who's not, whose coach already got fired, which coaching staffs are frankly looking for other gigs. But we will focus on the big ones and quickly hit on some of the other games on the Week 11 slate. Before we get started, really quick reminder, I want to thank our presenting sponsor, Betfred Sportsbook and the Betfred app. By now, you know their story, but I love telling it and I love working with these guys. Started in 1967 in the UK. It is one of the biggest, most reputable shops uh, across the UK, 1,600 shops across the UK. And they have come to the States and made a big splash with obviously the sports betting boom here in the United States. Uh, they are the presenting sponsor, not only of Aaron Torres Media, but also the Cincinnati Bengals, the Colorado Rockies, the Denver Broncos. A uh, lot of big things coming, a lot of big things, specifically with the launch in Ohio, so stay tuned for that. But what I love about Betfred is they do more for their betters than anybody. I've told you before, but first pitch at Colorado Rockies games has been thrown out by Betfred betters. Uh, we sent listeners of the Aaron Torres pod to the Denver Broncos VIP tailgate, Cincinnati Bengals uh, suite at the Betfred sport. Uh, the Betfred suite at Cincinnati's Bengals games is hopping. And so that is why I love working with Betfred. Nobody does more for their customers than Betfred Sportsbook. And with that, this is what they are doing for you today. Bet 50 on any game this week, okay? So you like Ole Miss to cover against Alabama. You like Georgia to cover against Mississippi State. You like Mississippi State to cover against Georgia. Doesn't really matter. Pick a game, any game, bet 50, get 250, first-time users in the Betfred Sportsbook. And we'll also keep you updated on a Betfred boost for this week. Uh, but thank you to Betfred Sportsbook. They are our presenting sponsor, and we are so excited to have them on board here with the College Football Betting Show with Aaron Torres. Also, as always, make sure to subscribe to the show, uh, Apple, Spotify, wherever, the YouTube page. Thank you for all of you who have shown support there. College Football Betting with Aaron Torres, the best is yet to come. Thank you for what you do for this show. But that said, let's get to the Week 11 slate. Cannot believe we are here in Week 11. And as I said to lead the show, I don't know that there's like the amazing game on the schedule this week, uh, but there are there is a matchup of top 15 teams that is very interesting, maybe not for playoff implications, but more for one SEC title implications and two for implications, I would argue, on the present and future of college football. I'm, of course, talking about Ole Miss hosting Alabama on the Grove. Uh, kickoff is set for 3.30 Eastern CBS. It is the CBS game of the week. Alabama comes in as a 12-point favorite, the over-under 64-and-a-half at the Betfred Sportsbook. And what I would say about this game in general is this. I think you guys and girls have listened to this show for long enough. You know 
I try to really, this is the show where I take the emotion out of it. This is a betting show. This isn't a preview show necessarily. And on the Aaron Torres pod, I talk more about the emotional side of football and this team's coming off that and that team's coming off that. And what does it all mean in the bigger picture? But I do think emotion does come into play in this game and the stuff going on off the field will be as interesting as the stuff going on on the field, especially as it pertains to Alabama. Listen, you don't need me to tell you, but they lose last weekend. They are essentially out of the college football playoff picture. They may be out of the SEC West picture by the kickoff of this game. Remember, Arkansas LSU is a noon Eastern 11 central kickoff. If LSU wins that game, they win the SEC West. They're going to Atlanta and Alabama is just playing for pride and uh, probably a New Year's Six Bowl at that point. And so I bring it up because... With Alabama, there is the pride factor, there is the uh, psyche factor to it, and there's also the factor that, let's just be honest, let's call a spade a spade, this team has not been good on the road the last two seasons. Obviously, in 2020, they win a national championship. There's a great core of veterans on that team. Mac Jones, Najee Harris, uh, Devontae Smith, on and on and on and on and on. Well, since that group left, which was also the same time that Steve Sarkeesian left, This has not been the same team mentally and especially on the road. I think you know the facts by now, but the bottom line is in their last eight road games, dating back to the start of last year, five and three overall, two and six against the spread. So not only do they have three losses on the road since the start of last season, but they also have a one-point win against Texas this year, a two-point win against Florida last year, a four-overtime victory against Auburn. This has not been the same team on the road. And by the way, two and six against the spread in those eight road games. One of those games was the Arkansas game this year, which if you remember, I was very close early in the fourth quarter before Alabama ripped off 21 straight points to close the game. So I worry about their psyche. I worry about their emotions. Listen, at this point, you know about the offense and you know about the defense. I do worry a little bit about just are they fired up for this game in what, you know, we'll see. We'll see how how excited they are uh, to go in this one. From the Ole Miss perspective, what I would say, a couple things stand out. One, I do think it's important. First of all, I, I think Lane Kiffin, I don't want to say that he's been great against Saban, but remember when they played two years ago, Ole Miss gave Alabama fits. They ended up falling apart at the end, but it was a 15-point final score. Uh, but it was close into the middle of the fourth quarter. And then even last year, you know, I think you look at the final score from last year, what you forget Lane Kiffin went too far in that analytics playbook. Uh, Three early possessions went for it on fourth down, did not convert any of them, and it resulted in Alabama running away with it early. It was a pretty competitive game once Lane Kiffin realized that he had a punter on his roster. So I think Ole Miss is going to be ready to go, and I think really what this comes down to is the stuff that we talk about all the time. Besides the mental psyche, who's ready, who's not, it's going to come down to can Ole Miss run the football, can Alabama stop the run? Ole Miss this year, best run game in the SEC. We talk about it all the time. Uh, When you think Ole Miss, when you think Lane Kiffin, I think everybody assumes it's a high-powered passing attack, except it's really not, not this year, not with Jackson Dart. It's the run game. Best in the SEC, third nationally behind only Air Force and Army who don't even try to throw the football. Uh, And Alabama has been susceptible to stuff on the ground. Remember, this was a team that gave up five yards per carry against LSU last week. This was a team that gave up 182 yards and five yards per carry against Tennessee. 
So the good run teams, the balanced run teams, the balanced offenses in college football have had success against Alabama this year. Um, And then finally, from the Alabama offensive perspective, I just worry about consistency. By now, you know the deal. You don't need me to tell you, but there's no consistency. There's no rhythm. And I think more than anything, I don't think Alabama has an identity when it comes to the offensive side of the football. And it's something that's been discussed on every show everywhere, but it's worth reiterating here. This team's identity on offense is basically Bryce Young having to do superhuman things to keep them in games. You expect at certain schools, yeah, maybe the quarterback's the best player and he's got to do things to keep his team in games. Maybe Hendon Hooker last week against Georgia, maybe Caleb Williams at USC. The quarterback should not have to be routinely bailing out the offense And at a certain point, you can only blame the O-line or the wide receiver core or this or that so often. To me, it comes down to Bill O'Brien. It comes down to the offensive coordinator spot. I don't think Bill O'Brien is going to be back next year. Now, I think Saban's going to work the phones behind the scenes to try to get him a head coaching job so he doesn't have to fire Bill O'Brien. I don't think he's coming back. I think this offense struggles. And so when it gets to my thoughts on this game, I'll be pretty straightforward. I talked about on the Aaron Torres pod this week. I think that Alabama has the wrong person at offensive coordinator, the wrong person at defensive coordinator. And I'm not sure this fast tempo, fast paced offense that Ole Miss runs, it put Pete Golding on his heels two years ago. Last year, it wasn't really uh, an issue simply because of the fact that Alabama got up so big early on offense that the the Ole Miss had, was playing nothing but catch up at that point. But when I look at this game, I think it's close. I think it's, I think Ole Miss has a chance to win. And I'll tell you, in terms of the Bedford Sportsbook, Ole Miss is a 12-point home underdog. I like Ole Miss. One loss to a good LSU team, beating everybody else, won at Texas A&M the last time we saw him, coming off a bye, extra time to prepare. Lane Kiffin is in the media saying that his team is not overlooking Alabama, saying that Paul Feinbaum is giving uh, Nick Saban goat juice, in other or goat fuel, I should say. In other words, Paul Feinbaum questioning Nick Saban only fuels him more. I think Lane Kiffin has his boys ready. I think he has them focused. I think this game's close and low scoring. I would lean Ole Miss plus the points at home here. Not sure if it'll be our official bet Fred bet, but stay tuned for that. Let's get to the second game. You know, really interesting game for the second one. And it's the college game day game. And it's, 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 it's another top 25 matchup that I'm just genuinely excited to watch. It is TCU against Texas. The game is in Austin. It's Saturday night. Texas, even though TCU is the number four ranked team in the country, Texas is a seven point favorite in the Betfred Sportsbook, the over under set at 65. And I'll just tell you, I think this is a fun game. I do think it is very interesting that, uh, you know, a Tennessee fan, a Michigan, Ohio State fan that wants the playoff picture to clear up a little bit. They're probably rooting for Texas, right? It's not often people are rooting for Texas. Last week, everybody was rooting for Notre Dame to beat Clemson. I think a lot of people will be rooting for Texas this week to take care of TCU. Now, in terms of the two teams, I think what you need to know, it's pretty straightforward. TCU, to its credit, you know, listen, both these teams are really good on offense. TCU is number four in the country, total offense behind only Oregon, Tennessee, and Ohio State. Not in that order. It's Tennessee, Ohio State, Oregon. But you get the point. TCU is number four. And they really do it with a nice balance of the pass and the run. Texas also does a very nice job with the pass and the run. Statistically, they're not as good as TCU, but part of that is 
They did not have Quinn Ewers for two and a half games in the middle of the season. That matters. Since he came back, this offense has been pretty good. Obviously, that 49-point performance against Oklahoma a few weeks ago then takes care of business against Iowa State, 34 points and 34 points in each of the last two games. So the offense is moving the ball. Um, obviously from, uh, I think what everybody kind of wants to know, right. Is how do the defenses stack up in this game? We think both teams can move the ball. We know both teams can score. And so the question becomes, how do the defenses stack up? Well, statistically, I'd say this Texas again, TCU's probably a little bit more balanced on offense. Texas is really good against the run. So that eliminates some things for TCU you would think in theory, Texas, one of the best run defenses in the Big 12, TCU near the bottom of run defense in Big 12. But then on top of that, and I think this is important, neither pass defense is really good. TCU ranked 94th in the country. Texas ranked 103rd in the country. And so you talk about a potential for Max Duggan to maybe make a Heisman statement, for Quinn Ewers to put the, the, the college football world on notice. He had that great first quarter and a half against Alabama. I don't think a lot of people have really talked about him since. Well, this will be a national stage against a top five opponent for Quinn Ewers to say, look, I might not win the Heisman this year, but as we're sitting here right now, Texas is tied for second in the Big 12 standings along with Baylor and Kansas State. If they win this game, they are going to be in great position to go to the Big 12 championship game if they're to win. So this could really be a momentum game for Texas. Win this game, you're in great position to go to the Big 12 championship game. And then frankly, from there, who knows, win a Big 12, go to a Sugar Bowl, go to a New Year's Six Bowl, whatever it might be. Really interesting stakes for both of these teams. Finally, what I would say, listen, the offenses we know about, the defenses we know about, both are good against the run, neither are good against the pass. There is a trend in this game that I think is really important that I do think you really need to focus on if you are a college football fan thinking about betting this game. The trend, it's pretty straightforward. Texas is a really good first-half team. Steve Sarkeesian, offensive mind on script. He is great. Not so good in the second half. TCU, on the other hand, starts off slow. Much better in the second half. And by the way, this isn't just my opinion. This isn't just what my eyeballs see. We have the facts to back it up. Okay, Texas, their last two games. Last week, they were up 31-10 to at the half against Kansas State on the road. Great first half. So, see the final score in that game? 34-27, to okay? Not great at math. It means they were outscored 17-3 to in the fourth quarter and had to hold on for dear life. Week before that for Texas was a bye. The game before that, they played Oklahoma State. They were up 31-24 to at the half. They were up by double digits late in the third. They end up losing the game 41 to 34. Texas, a great starting team. TCU, a great finishing team. Last week trailed 13 to 10 at Texas Tech or against Texas Tech at home, excuse me. They rallied to win. And then there were two other games earlier in the year, Kansas State, Oklahoma State, where they trailed by double figures at the half only to go on and win. And so if you ask me, do I have a bet Fred best bet for this? I actually got two. The first the first half lines will come out late Friday, early Saturday. I'd pound that Texas first half line because they are a great first half starting team, a great for, uh, starting team in the first half. I said that wrong. And then they struggle in the second half. TCU struggles in the first half, goes uh, is really strong in the second half. If, that, if I had to make a bet, that's what I would do. I would bet Texas in the first half, 
I would bet TCU to cover the points. Those are my official bet, Fred Betts. Wait for that first half line to come out, then pound the plus seven for TCU for the game total. One more top 25 matchup that we will get to before the break. And one thing I will say about this week, I love that we're kind of bouncing around the country. Starting the SEC with a top 15 matchup, go to the Big 12 with a top 20 matchup. Now we got a top 25 matchup between Washington and Oregon in Eugene, Saturday night, 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 Pacific. So it's kind of an evening-ish game out there in Eugene. Oregon, a 13.5-point favorite. The over-under in this game is a monster. It is set for, let me make sure I have this right. I want to make sure I don't give you bad information here. 72.5 is the over-under in this game. It should be a fun one. It should be an exciting one. Um, And what I would say about this, too, here's something else to consider on this. This is actually a great college football rivalry. For people who don't know, so I think when we think rivalries, we think that final weekend of the year, we think Washington, Washington State in the Apple Cup, Oregon, Oregon State in the Civil War, although I think they changed that name, you know, politics, blah, 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 whatever. I'll tell you this. As somebody who lives on the West Coast, Oregon and Washington fans do not like each other. This is really hostile. This should be a really fun one, and obviously we know what's at stake. Oregon has been one of the best stories in college football so far. Oregon is now 8-1. and one. Oregon is in position if they win this game and they win next week, they're playing for a Pac-12 championship. And obviously, if they win out, they're going to have a very compelling playoff resume going into the final week of the season if they were to win out. It starts this weekend, got to beat Utah next week. You start stacking up those wins against 8, 9, 10-win teams. I know it's the Pac-12, but it's a very compelling resume. Now, in terms of the matchup itself, what's interesting is, first of all, I think with Oregon, right, we think of this Washington club with Michael Penix, with Kalen DeBoer, their their head coach, as this offensive machine. It's actually Oregon that has been the better offensive team all year, and I don't think people realize just how good this team has been. First off, 8-1, 8-0 since that Georgia game in week one. And how about this? Seven double-figure wins for the Ducks, okay? So of their eight wins, seven have come by double-figures. Um, And they're doing it really with a lot of balance, okay? 289 yards rushing per game, 230 rush yards per, or 289 yards passing a game, 230 rush yards per game. Overall, uh, the number two score uh, total offense in college football, number three scoring offense, as I said, behind only Tennessee and Ohio State. Actually, that's backwards. They're number three in total offense, number two in scoring offense behind only Tennessee, whatever. The point is this offense is really good. It's really balanced. And you know what else, by the way, that Oregon's doing really well? And this is going to drive Auburn fans crazy. They're taking care of the football. Plus seven in turnover margin on the year. Why Auburn fans would be mad is, of course, because Bo Nix was at Auburn and did crazy Bo Nix stuff all the time. And obviously, uh, that was a big part of the reason why Auburn struggled. Frankly, why Gus Malzahn got fired a few years ago. All that good stuff. Now, from the Washington perspective, it's important to note They are not as balanced as Oregon. They don't try to be as balanced as Oregon. No, 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 no. They actually want to just throw the ball and throw the ball a lot. They're one of the few teams, right? I just talked about it with Texas, with TCU, with Ole Miss. All these offensive guru head coaches, most of them really do like to set up the pass game with the run, even if the big pass plays are what we all remember and what we see on SportsCenter. Washington ain't that team. Washington wants to throw the ball and throw the ball often, And they currently have the number one pass offense in college football, thanks to Michael Penix, Kalen DeBoer, and what they do over there. 
Now, what's interesting to me about this game is how the defenses match up, okay? Because here's the bottom line. Oregon, they're balanced, but I do think at the end of the day, if they have their druthers, they prefer to run the ball right at you. Remember, the core of this team was recruited by Mario Cristobal. Mario Cristobal is an O-line guy. That O-line is physical. They're tough. They're mean. They run the ball, and I think that's what they want to do. Well, here's a crazy stat for you. you know who the best pass uh, run defense is in college football, or in the Pac-12, excuse me? You know who the best run defense is that Oregon has seen since Georgia in week one? It's the Washington Huskies. On the flip side, and I think this is really important, Oregon is really good running the ball. They're really good passing the ball, and they're really good on run defense. Do you know where they rank in pass defense in the Pac-12? They are 11th of 12 teams in total pass defense. And in terms of the nation, nationally, they are 117th in the country in pass defense. So think about that. Washington's strength on defense goes against Oregon's strength on defense. Washington's strength on offense goes against Oregon's weakness on offense. I know it's a road game. I know Eugene is really tough to play. Ask UCLA. If I had to take a side on this, Washington plus 13 and a half, I do think that I would probably take Washington. They should be able to throw the ball. They should be able to move the ball through the air, and they should pose at least a little bit of resistance against that Oregon run game. I'll tell you this. I don't think either defense really slows things down, and because of it, I expect a fun, fun, fun game. Woo! Three top 25 matchups to start. That's what we're going to do. Take a quick break. We're going to come back. We are going to look at the rest of the week 11 slate. We'll talk Georgia, Mississippi State, and a few other games that I think are a little bit off the radar, but are worth keeping an eye on. South Carolina, Florida, Florida State, Syracuse, games like that. LSU, Arkansas. I'll be honest. I don't know what the heck to do with that one. Going to take a quick break. Uh, College football betting with Aaron Torres presented by the Betfred Sportsbook. Take a quick break. Be right back. All right, everybody, I'm back. Let's get to the rest of the week 11 slate in college football. And I do want to start with a game that I don't think anybody can really figure out. Arkansas is hosting LSU. LSU is just a three and a half point favorite off of that win against Alabama. Arkansas coming off the loss to Liberty at home. Yet LSU is only a three and a half point favorite in the Betfred Sportsbook. The over under is 64 and a half. And if this feels weird, and if it feels like you want to run to the window and throw all your money in the Betfred Sportsbook on, uh, you know, on, uh, on LSU, you're not alone. I saw this tweet from somebody named Max Meyer who said that at the Caesar Sportsbook, now you need to be betting at Betfred, but at the Caesar Sportsbook, uh, LSU has received more spreads than every NFL team except for the Atlanta Falcons. LSU also has more money to cover the spread than 22 of 28 teams. Point being, everybody likes LSU. Point being, generally when that happens, that's usually a bad sign if you're on that side. Uh, Think about last week with Tennessee plus eight at Georgia. And so to me, this just feels like the stay away, stay aways. I do think the other factor that it's important to note too, we don't know the status of KJ Jefferson. Bruce shoulder hasn't been at 100%. Sam Pittman is kind of coy on what's going on with KJ Jefferson. Now, if you do want to uh, bet Arkansas, I will say this. Uh, there, there is some like, you know, uh, 
stylistic things that play in their favor. Arkansas, remember, is great at running the ball. 10th nationally, second in the SEC behind only Ole Miss. LSU, not great at stopping the run. Now, some of those stats uh, that they gave up were early in the season against really good teams, Florida State, things like that. But Arkansas' strength on offense does go against a little bit of a weakness. And then I will say Arkansas's weakness, it's one of the great weaknesses in all of college football, is pass defense where Arkansas ranks uh, 129th out of 130 teams. Well, LSU doesn't really throw the ball great with Jaden Daniels. So I get the scenario where Arkansas could pull the upset. But as I tell you, I try to be honest with you. I don't try to push bets on you. I just try to give you my opinion and the facts to back it up. This is a total stay away to me. I don't get the point spread. Just, just stay away. Just stay away. Be- save your money for another game. If you really like one side, take it. I'm staying away. Let's keep it going. Let's just stay in the SEC really quick and rip through some of these other games. Um, you know, a couple that I'm just are total stayaways to me. Missouri minus or Missouri at Tennessee. Tennessee's minus 20 and a half. So almost a three touchdown favorite. Total stay away to me. You know, listen, Tennessee's a great team, a great story. And to their credit, every time that they've had to rise to the occasion, they have. Same time, this is a little bit of a body blow game. You played Georgia last week. Now you got to come home. Noon Eastern kickoff on CBS in this one. And the other thing worth noting on Missouri, Missouri actually does play pretty good defense. Now, do they have the dudes to match up with Tennessee? That I don't know. But here is Missouri's point totals allowed the last couple weeks. 17 against Kentucky, 10 at South Carolina, 14 against Vanderbilt, 24 against Florida, 26 against Georgia, 17 against Auburn. So in SEC play, Missouri has not given up more than 26 points in any game. I don't know that they slow down Tennessee. I could see it. On the other hand, Tennessee's been awesome at every step of the way, except for last Saturday against a really good Georgia team. Total stay away to me. I think speaking of total stayaways, if you want to bet A&M at Auburn, Auburn is a one and a half point favorite, the over under eight, uh, 48 and a half in the Bedford Sportsbook. If you want to bet that one, well, God bless your little heart and soul because that is a total stay away to be. Both teams stink, interim head coach. And here's the other factor too flu, uh, the flu is running through both locker rooms. Now, we saw last week uh, AM was very limited because of the flu. Connor Wegman did not play, he's expected back. But they're still having issues in their locker room. Cadillac Williams, the interim head coach at Auburn, is having issues in their locker room. If you want to bet it, good for you. Total stay away to me. Let's keep it going. South Carolina at Florida. Florida, an eight-point favorite, over under 59. Um, This is a game that for Florida, it actually is senior day at the Swamp. They close at Vanderbilt at Florida State. So final home game, a little emotion there, 4 p.m. Eastern kickoff. But I will say this, I think I kind of like South Carolina in this one. South Carolina, we talked about it last week. They largely take care of the teams that they're supposed to. Now, they struggled a few weeks ago with Missouri, but this year, this is who they've beaten. Vanderbilt, Texas A&M, Kentucky without Will Levis, and then last year, they beat Auburn as Auburn was reeling. They beat Florida as Florida was reeling. And so South Carolina, listen, I don't think Shane Beamer's that good. I don't think this team is that good. But to his credit, it seems as though he has his teams ready for the games that they're expected to win or the 50-50 games. And I feel like this is that game for them because Florida, to their credit, Florida right now is sitting at six and four, five and four. I don't think Florida's that good. I don't know. I've said it for, for weeks. I don't know what they do well, but they're kind of the same. They've taken care of the teams that they're supposed to. 
They've lost to Georgia, LSU, Tennessee, and Kentucky. No shame in those losses. I don't think there's that much of a gap between these two teams. And if I had to bet it, I would take South Carolina plus eight. Uh, really quickly, you know, uh, the only other ones that really stand out, I, I will say I do like Florida State minus seven and a half at Syracuse. First of all, Syracuse, uh, they are uh, Syracuse is on a three game losing streak. Remember, they lost to Clemson. They were six and oh at the time. Since then, have lost to Clemson, uh, NC State, or not NC State. They lost to Clemson, Wake, and uh, and last week they uh, to Notre Dame, and then Wake last week. Here's the issue with with Syracuse: one, they can't stop the run. Well, Florida State has the best rush offense in the ACC, and two, Garrett Schrader, their quarterback. We don't know what they're going, what his going to be, uh, his status is going to be. He hasn't played in a few weeks. Uh, Dino Babers, the Syracuse coach, was asked about it this week. His direct quote was. And this is not a, a, I'm not making this up. Dino Babers was asked about the status of his quarterback. He said, I would say that he's got an owie that we're sensitive to an owie, like a six-year-old. Yes. So that's what Dino Babers said. He's having a little fun with it. I don't know if you can expect Garrett Schrader, but I just think this is a good matchup for Florida state. They have the best run offense in the sec. Keep it or the ACC, excuse me. Keep in mind, Notre Dame or uh, Syracuse gave up. 246 yards rushing to Notre Dame a few weeks ago, 293 yards to Clemson. I like Florida State, one of my best bets. I don't know if I have an official bet, Fred, best bet this week. I do like Florida State minus the seven and a half. You know, a couple others that feel like stayaways to me. Late night, Arizona at UCLA. UCLA is a 19 and a half point favorite. Uh, Arizona cannot stop the run, which you would think would be a very good sign that they will not cover against UCLA, which obviously has a top 10 rush defense, the number one rush, uh, number one rush offense in the Pac-12. The problem is that Arizona, on the other hand, has a great pass offense. Uh, their pass offense is actually best in the Pac-12 behind only Washington, which is number one in the country. And UCLA's pass defense is very bad. So this one just feels like a stay away to me. Uh, everything else feels like a stay away to me. North Carolina and Wake Forest, that should be a fun one. I would enjoy watching that if I was a fan. I don't know that I would bet either side on that one. Wake Forest, a slight favorite against North Carolina. The over-under at 77. Total stay away to me. But, yeah, I think that's it. The, the games that I do like, just to recap, I do like Washington plus 13.5 against Oregon. I do like Ole Miss plus 12 at home against Alabama. And I do like that Florida State line of 7.5 on, on the road. And finally, keep in mind that Texas... Texas, uh, the Texas TCU game, Texas minus four in the first half. I would take TCU plus the points for the game. All right. I think that's it for college football betting with Aaron Torres. And I do think it's time for me to get out of here before we do. I want to remind everybody, make sure that you're subscribed to the college football betting with Aaron Torres page on YouTube. Also make sure to subscribe to the show on Apple, Spotify, Amazon music, Google music, wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll be back next week. Fun week 12 slate, USC, UCLA, Oregon, Utah. A couple intriguing SEC games. That is all next week. Until then, have a good weekend, everybody.